And continuing with our first creed series and talking to past international vice presidents as we break down the creed and try to be better about living a more optimistic life, it is my pleasure to introduce past international president from 2015 to 2016, Dave Bruns. Dave, thanks for being on the program with us again. I know this is, I think, your second or third interview we've done. I think this is my third uh, interview, and it's great to be back with you, Shane. And one of the things that we're focusing on this series is, you know, we always talk about optimism in general and our membership and leaders and stuff, but people don't realize as a member, you can shoot all the way to the top if you prefer and, you know, being uh, to be international president. And we want to talk a little bit about the year you were international president, and we kind of want to know your journey of how you got there. Well, uh, as I think uh, you know, and some of the listeners uh, have heard previously, uh, I was born into an optimist family, participated in optimist uh, sports, optimist oratorical contest. And uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to do was to pay it forward. So I recall joining an optimist club and saying that I would never become uh, seriously uh, involved in, in activities. I would just join it to uh, to pay it forward as, as far as becoming a member. And never did I dream that I would uh, someday become president of Optimist International. But uh, it, it has been an interesting experience. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed the most was uh, be, being a lieutenant governor, for example, and working uh, with a team uh, when you're a club president, sometimes you can do things on your own. But uh, once you start holding district offices uh, and then ultimately the governor, vice president, uh, serving on committees and then as Optimist International president, you really realize that it's not about you. It's about the team. And so my greatest memories are not necessarily of uh, any particular achievement, although I, I'm I'm certainly uh, honored by all the achievements that uh, were done in the years that I've held positions but it's more in uh, remembering my teammates and all the great leaders that uh, I've served with and those that continue to serve and uh, as we go forward and people that hopefully I've mentored along the way. Now, after, you know, you become a lieutenant governor, governor, international vice president, you know, you get reached out to by a certain thing called the CQ or the Qualifications Committee. Tell us a little bit about your journey after your international vice presidency, moving into a board position or into the presidency of Optimist International. Mine uh, was probably somewhat unique in that uh, at the time that I was uh, an Optimist International vice president, uh, I was a uh, trial court judge in Kansas. And as a trial court judge, uh, I had to be in the courtroom uh, pretty much every day. Uh, and so I never thought that I could be Optimist International President. I didn't think I would uh, be able to do that with my career. Uh, so the greatest honor that I had in between being vice president and later becoming president of Optimist International is for two years uh, under uh, President Ronnie Dunn and under President Theo Golding, uh, I served as the junior Optimist International uh, committee chair. And uh, to me, that was the highest office uh, that I could hold uh, working uh, with the uh, Joy Board, and it was uh, so exciting. Uh, but then uh, it, it happened that I was appointed to the Kansas Court of Appeals, and our chief judge uh, happened to be a, a former optimist from Wichita, Kansas. And so uh, people had talked to me over the years, would you like to uh, be considered for Optimist International President? So I talked to him and I said, you know, is this something that I would have time to do being an appellate judge now that I don't have to be in a trial court setting every day? 
And he said, certainly, and we would support you, and it'd be an honor to our court if you do that. Uh, so when CQ reached out to me, uh, I said, certainly, I'd love to uh, interview. And uh, at that time, we they interviewed uh, three candidates, and then I was nominated, and then uh I ran in the first uh, virtual election that we had, the first online election, um, and I was fortunate enough to win that election. That's very important to have the support of uh, your career path, especially if you work for somebody else. And, you know, technically you work for the whole state of Kansas when you're an appellate judge, I'm assuming. And so, you know, that's a pretty big honor. And like I said, I don't think our regular membership really is understanding that they can take their optimist career as far as they want. If they just want to be a member, that's great. But if they have a desire to learn and do more, they can go, they can shoot for as high as they would like to go. That's right. And, and I would encourage more people to do that because, you know, what what I think optimism is all about, certainly it's about serving youth and serving our community, but it's also about developing ourselves, developing our character. And one of the ways we do that is by being a part of a team that's bigger than ourselves, uh, by not just trying to be a hero. Sometimes, you know, we say optimists are heroes, and certainly all optimists are heroes without capes. But it's to me, it's more important than just being a hero. It's being a hero maker and trying to enhance the uh, leadership of others. And you can do that as you go up through the chairs of Optimist International. And that way, it's not just what you individually can do, but you can multiply your efforts uh, to other communities and ultimately around the globe. I literally have Optimist uh, friends uh, around the uh, entire world. And one of the things that I like that you just said, you know, optimists or superheroes that don't wear capes. Let's talk about some of the people that were your mentors that helped guide you along this path, because to get that far, you obviously have to have some mentors and people that you rely on for information and advice and stuff like that. Well, there there have been a lot and some unsung heroes is a, a member that uh, who's still a member of our club and has never been a district officer, but a, a attorney I had worked for when I was in law school, Bob Keeshan, he knew that I had been involved in optimist activities as a child and he knew my parents were involved in optimist. So he asked me when I was still in law school to join the optimist club and he he even paid my dues the first year. I was uh, didn't have a particular lot of uh, uh, particularly a, a lot of money at the time, and uh, my wife and I had just been married. And he says, "Well, I'll pay your dues, and all I ask in return is that you stay in the club after you graduate from law school." So I said, "I'd love to do that." And so that was back in 1983. So Bob Keishan, uh, he is uh, is certainly one of my mentors to start, and he encouraged me. Uh, many members of our club did that. And then uh, after I served as club president, uh, the governor-elect at the time, John Livingston from Olathe, Kansas, uh, who's now deceased, uh, he knew that I had been involved in oratorical. So he asked me to chair the district oratorical contest. And of course, that's such a love of mine anyway, uh, even though I didn't think I wanted to be involved. Uh, I did. I did that even before I was lieutenant governor. We were in a very large zone back in those days. And so there was a line of people that wanted to be lieutenant governor. Uh, but I first became a, a district oratorical chair for a few years. That kind of got me recognized in the in the district. And then I became uh, lieutenant governor. And then along the way uh, at Optimist International, there's been just so many uh, people that have encouraged me. 
I remember Charlie Wiles coming to visit, uh, former president uh, Charlie Wiles coming to visit Kansas and saying, you know, you need to go up through the chairs and Optimist International. Fern Rondeau was uh, international president when I was club president. And he came up to me and, and said, you know, I'm, I've been watching what you're doing and you would be a, a great leader. I remember uh, Jerry Henderson and um, uh, Bill Tigg coming up to me at an Optimist International Convention when I was an international vice president and saying, you know, we really think you someday need to be considered for Optimist International president. Would you do that? So there are so many people along the way, like I said, Ronnie Dunn appointing me and, and then Theo Golding as well to be the junior optimist um, uh, committee chair. Those things were just great. And I, I there's a saying I like, and we use it here in Kansas, and I assume it's probably other places, but it's, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by itself. And none of us get anywhere by ourselves. We get there because we have people that have taken an interest in us and it mentored us and raised us up and saw a potential in us. And so we need to pay it forward as optimist leaders. I think I'm going to borrow that quote because I like that one. That's one that I could uh, live by. And one of the things that I'm that you've probably done moving forward is you've actually probably mentored people that are moving up and doing different things. And that's kind of paying it forward by mentoring future leaders. Right. And it, that's what's great about the candidate qualifications committee. I know sometimes it gets a bad rap. People don't understand. They think it's, uh, you know, like people in a smoke-filled room picking their buddies or something like that. But you always have four past presidents and you have three lay members that are, have not been president. And you literally go through and you work, look about what they've done. And you've worked with those people, especially those that have been presidents. You've worked with those people on committees and things. And you know their leadership qualities and you're able to raise them up. Sometimes uh, they'll tell you because of a personal reason, a job reason, we can't do it now, but we would like to do it in the future. And that's important, too, because you don't want to burn bridges. But, you know, every time I go to an optimist uh, meeting someplace. I And there's probably a lot of folks out there that I've encouraged to run for lieutenant governor or to run for governor uh, in, in a district not my own because I've seen something in them and I wanted to raise them up because I know they have potential for leadership. So to me, that's one of the great things about being an optimist leader is raising up other leaders. And I think that being a mentor ties perfectly in the stanza of the creed that we're focusing on today, to be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. And, you know, being a mentor, that is a very big thing that you are enthusiastic about the success of people that you have mentored and moved along and gave advice to and so forth. Right. I think that, you know, the tenet of the Optimist Creed to be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own ties in very closely to mentorship. It's about celebrating victories with others and not just great victories, but small victories along the way. It uh, it boosts their self-confidence and their self-esteem. And hopefully along the way, your character grows as well as you uh, mentor others, it, you know, it creates a an atmosphere of collegiality. And and I work on a court where we sit on multiple, we have multiple judges hearing cases at a, at a time, and we don't always agree. And collegiality is so por important, uh, collaboration, and that's so important with, with optimists. And, and I think as you mentor and people become a part of a team, 
uh, it not only helps those that you mentor, but you help yourself and help build your own character as well. And that's another thing, too, is when we talk about being enthusiastic about the success of others, it does not take just one person to make a club distinguish when we talk about that or a club to be honor club or a project. It's never just one person. And you have to be excited that other people are succeeding in different parts of our organization as well. Exactly. Uh you know, I don't want to sound like an old past president, but back in back when I was governor, uh, <laughs> I, I just could think, you know, I, I was a practicing young practicing lawyer. I did not have the time necessarily to build a lot of new clubs and things like that. But we knew that was important to do because that's the way you multiply. As opposed to just adding uh, to your own club, the way you multiply optimism was building new clubs. And so we ended up building 11 new clubs that year. And I didn't build any of those. Now, what I did do is make sure that each of those, as people were working on those clubs, I would go with them and I would be there and try to be side by side with them, even though I couldn't necessarily be with them every time they went to meet in a new community I tried to be there as much as I could. I remember a former international vice president, one of my mentors, Keith Bodine, uh, he was he was actually pre international vice president-elect when I was a Kansas district governor, and he happened to be a club president. So I had a club president who was uh, an international vice president-elect, which was kind of unique. And I recall Keith and I driving the 11 hours to get out to southwest Kansas to start a new Optimist Club. And again, I couldn't go there every time, but I made sure that anytime I could, I went. Because I think it's important that when you lead, you know, you. I don't necessarily believe you even lead in the front, because sometimes you can get shot in the back if you lead from the front. You certainly don't lead from behind. I think leadership's all about walking hand in hand with your team. And as you said, it's a team effort. So if a club's distinguished or honor club, it's not one individual. If a district is distinguished or honor district, it's not one individual. It's about the team. And the team is certainly greater than ourselves. And that's one of the other things talking about, you know, the success of others. You can have a lot of fun in your club doing different things and, you know, building projects and building clubs and doing all these things. I don't really think we also focus on the relationships and more importantly, the fun and exciting things that can happen to you in our optimist community when you are successful. Right. If, if people like you and respect you and trust you, they'll, they will uh, be more than happy to buy into the vision that you're trying to uh, enhance in, in whatever level, whether it be at the club, zone, district, or international levels. Uh, one of the things that I did is uh, I had an official theme as uh, governor, which was commitment to youth and commitment to growth, because that was the overall vision that we wanted to have to grow our district uh, in terms of service. However, I had an informal theme that everybody knew about, which is fun and worthwhile. And that was that everything we did in the district, we wanted to have fun and we wanted it to be worthwhile. And you could have so much fun with your teammates when you're going out and starting a new club, when you go out, recruit members, when you go out and do a service project. Uh, you have a lot of fun. It's about re developing relationships and you can just do so much more with the help of others than you can do by yourself. Absolutely. And like I said, I think that's one of the reasons this podcast is hopefully going to be successful is because we want people to recognize that there's a lot of good things happening 
And there's ways to communicate so you can get this good message across to people in your community, your zone, your district, your region. And I, I people just don't really take advantage of some of the stuff that we have to offer. And we have to get that information out there so people start taking advantage of it. Right. And I think we need to really recognize the importance of being an international organization. As you know, you know, it was 1924 when we truly became an international organization when the Optimist Club of Toronto was started in Canada, and then shortly after that, the Optimist Club uh, in Hamilton, which is still in existence. And you think about it, you know, we always talk about, I think it's inherent in us that we want to do something greater than ourselves. By being optimist, we can have a far-reaching impact. Certainly, we want to focus on our own communities. But we, by being optimist and being part of an international organization, our impact can last for years in the future, and it can even last for generations uh, by helping children uh, that grow up. And if they carry it forward, then they continue on with the work that you've started by starting new clubs that can continue on to think that, you know, we have clubs now that are well over 100 years old and Optimist International that are still serving children and still serving their community. And you know, I like to say that, uh, you know, by being optimist, we can make a difference not only at home, but we can make a difference in the world. We just do it one child and one community at a time. Absolutely. And, you know, I can tie the success of others into my own life because my daughter started the Joy Club. And it has been such a just a pleasure and, a, and ironically a joy to work with her and to see the enthusiasm from those kids as they're doing a project and doing things and hopefully that they will become optimists later on down the road. Right. So, I, you know, I, I think we need to remember it's not just about addition uh, in our own clubs. It's not just about looking inward at ourselves. Certainly that's part of it is the development of ourselves uh, and our communities. But we really need to view optimism as a chance to multiply the impact that we have around the whole world. And I think that's exciting. And I think we should play up not just the word optimist, but also international. Absolutely. And I think people need to realize that as long, we're having a lot of fun. And one of the main selling points I tell people is we're going to have fun. We're going to do all this stuff, but we're going to make you a better person at the end of the day. Right. There's so many opportunities. I'll go back to uh, one of my mentors that I mentioned earlier, Keith Bodine, a former international vice president. He was very shy, he said, when he became a club president. Uh, matter of fact, he said he could not uh, lead a group in, in a silent prayer. Uh, that, that's how nervous he was <laughs> about uh, being in front of people. And yet he became a very eloquent speaker. Now, he never became a very powerful speaker in the way you think of somebody being very dramatic or whatever. But he, he learned through optimism to speak from the heart. And when somebody speaks from the heart, uh, they develop trust. And, the, and when you have developed trust with someone else, they will work with you uh, wherever you want to go. And, uh, and that's why you said relationships are just so important. So you develop self, but you need to also remember C.S. Lewis reminded us that uh, the greatest sin is pride. And, and he meant that pride is being so wrapped up in yourself that you don't consider others. And I think it's so important that we realize that although it's important to be uh, maybe to recognize our own accomplishments and things, but to realize that if we are only looking at ourselves, then we're not truly out there helping others. So yeah, you know, humility plays a, a role in it. Development of character plays a role. Uh, and most of all, I think it's about just 
creating uh, love and respect in your community. And I think that's something that our society needs now more than ever before. And when we talk about the relationships, it's amazing because, you know, we are in completely different parts of the United States. I'm farther north in great, you know, up in Montana. You're down in Kansas. It's amazing that wherever I can travel, I'm pretty sure I can find an optimist club and optimists that I know in that area just to go and have, you know, stay with or see or anything. And people don't realize the amount of how how how, how important that is. Right. And, and there's so many examples of where an optimist from one community gets stranded or has a, an issue, health issue or whatever in another community and optimists step up to help their fellow optimists. And, you know, it's great. I mean, we've had the opportunity, my wife and I, uh, over the years to go visit optimists uh, in several nations. And, you know, you feel just as at home. You know you're with family whenever you walk into an optimist function. Uh, and that's so important that you know that there's people that, and I think the optimist creed is important because it is the kind of the belief system that binds us all together. We may come from different ethnicities. We may come from different political backgrounds, different religions, but that optimist creed holds us together and we become a family. And, you know, you'll do anything for your family. You know, families may fight like cats and dogs, but nobody attacks your family without you stepping up and defending them. And, and to me, optimists are family. And it doesn't make any difference where I go. Uh, I've got family. That's absolutely true. And I think a reason that our organization is so strong internally when we have these things is because of our differences. Even though we have all these differences, we are all there for the same reason. And we are there for the same common goal, which is to make our communities better. Right. And it's so important. I, I, I do think, you know, and I'm sure it's happened many times in history, but right now I think there's a lot of division around the world between different groups. And, you know, I think optimism is one of those ways that we can bring people together. And we're realistic people. We're not we're not a bunch of idiots that think the world's going to be perfect. You know, some people will say, oh, optimists have this utopian idea uh, the world's going to be perfect. Well, we know the world's not going to be perfect, but we we know something that maybe other people don't realize. And that is if we work together, we can make the world better than it is. And I think that's what it's all about uh, collectively is leaving your community and leaving the world a little bit better off than you found it. I have used that quote multiple times that when you're a club president, it doesn't matter what you accomplished that year. The one question you should ask yourself on the end of your year, did you leave your club, zone, district, region better off than when you found it? Yeah, and that's that's the way I ended my year as Optimist International President. My my last video is they don't get hung up on, on numbers and things. Certainly numbers can be important because of what they represent. But instead, what I ask everybody to do at the end of the 2015-16 year is to look in the mirror, and me too, to look in the mirror and ask myself, honestly, you know, did I do the best I possibly could with the talents that I've been given? And did I leave the organization better off than where I found it? And, and I like to think that we did then. And I think we do that year after year. Can we do better? Of course we can. There's always room for improvement. But, you know, let's not uh, underestimate the power of optimism. We've done a lot of great things. But it's not about what we did in the past. It's what we continue to do today and will continue to do in the future. Dave, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to share with us your optimist journey as pa uh, past international president and helping us break down this creed. 
so we can teach other optimists how to be, be better people by actually living and practicing the creed. Well, and, and the reason why I chose the uh, tenet that I did about being just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own is because I think ultimately the best optimist leaders are the ones that look at other people and say, hey, I see something in you. I know that you can achieve great things, and I'm here to help you do so. And we have a lot of fun while we're doing it. And, and it's a lot of fun to be an optimist. Please join us in reciting the Optimist Creed with our past international presidents. Promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. To talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person you meet. To make all your friends feel that there is something in them. To look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true. To think only of the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best. To be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. To forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future. To wear a cheerful countenance at all times and give every living creature you meet a smile. To give so much time to the improvement of yourself that you have no time to criticize others. To be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to prevent the presence of trouble. Thank you for listening to this series focused on the Optimist Creed. The Optimist Creed is the official creed of Optimist International adopted in 1922. The creed is something that every member of Optimist International strives to follow. To find out more about the opportunities of Optimist International, Please visit our website, or better yet, find a local Optimist Club in your area to start helping make the world a better place.